Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show, talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market like we are every Sunday at 10 a.m. As a reminder, if you're a real estate agent that's worked with us or a past client of my real estate company, you've bought or sold real estate with my company anytime in the past 18 years, you're invited to our appreciation event, DuncanDuoAppreciation.eventbrite.com. Again, that's DuncanDuoAppreciation.eventbrite.com. Or go to any of our social channels, shoot us a DM, and we'll send you the invite directly. And uh, we'd love to have you. We'll have ice skating on the Amelie Arena ice. We're going to have um, lots of food, entertainment, light and ticket giveaways, signed items, and so much more. And it's just our way of having a free event to show appreciation for you. So, a lot of bank collapse news. Only had one collapse so far. Um, but, but for a lot of people out there they're like, oh, are we going through the same thing we went through before? Are we going to see, you know, many, many bank bailouts? And so, so far, Josh, there's been a lot of, um, you know, debate about what was going to happen with interest rates. We've got a fed meeting coming up. So why don't you update us, um, with Josh Goodwin from Goodwin Mortgage Group. Uh, Josh, why don't you update us on what's going on with interest rates and what these bank collapses are doing to the mortgage market? Yeah. So the bank collapse is obviously not a good thing, right? What was it? It was, was it Signature? Silicon Valley Bank. And then there was Signature out of New York. Correct. Yeah. So after Silicon Valley Bank, they discussed after that collapse, they're obviously not bailing that bank out, but they're going to cover over the FDIC insured amounts for the people that are in Correct. there. They're not, they're not bailing out, I think, the shareholders, the owners, the investors, but Correct. they're bailing out the depositors. Correct. So the bank, I guess, will... I read an article that it might be run by the current and active CEO of Fannie Mae going forward. But needless to say, after the second bank collapse, I believe it was Signature, I might have that wrong, uh, from New York, the Fed held an emergency meeting on, I want to say it was Tuesday at 1130. They haven't put out any notes from it, so they're blacking us out until they have their meeting, I think, which is in about eight days to discuss if they're going to raise rates. So based on that premise, the bond market rallied, right? You know, it increased drastically, which is better for rates. Rates haven't moved too much. So right now, a lot of clients are asking us, oh, we're seeing rates drop back down to six and a half. And for those that are listening tonight or today, excuse me, um, quick look on Google, type in what's the average interest rate? 7.3875%. Right. So the market's showing better, but lenders are holding on because the news is so new. And they're waiting to see what happens. Well, it's going to happen meetings. with the Fed meeting, and possibly with that Fed meeting. You know, I think they've realized that they have increased rates too quickly. And I mean, when you look at it with those bigger banks, let's just say they, you know, acquired four hundred million dollars worth of 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 asset that was at a rate of one point five percent, and then it jumps up to four point five percent. I mean, it's difficult to make their those, yield. They can't make they can't make, make those spread. payouts. Yeah. So what banks do, uh, for, you know, and again, it shouldn't be that hard. But banks take in deposits and then they loan out money. Okay, and the whole key to it is, is they have to make money on that spread of what the Fed will allow them to borrow money at, and then what they loan it at to consumers, and that's where they make their money. And so, when they are locked in at lower rate debt, and then their then their rates go up, it causes it, it harms their ability to make money. Exactly. It's why a lot of people expected rates would eventually rise because when they were, you know, practically zero, banks couldn't. You know, they just couldn't survive. They couldn't make money. So we expected them to rise. But you're right. I think a lot of people are predicting, did they rise too fast? Now, you know, to put this into perspective, I'm not saying there won't be more bank failures because maybe there will be. But the the two banks that have failed, uh, at least everything that I saw, 
um, you know, they were involved in a lot of very risky things. Okay, these are not banks that have really healthy balance sheets. They're with a lot of startup, uh, crypto, uh, metaverse type, very volatile Mm -hmm. uh, types of industries. And, you know, Silicon Valley always dances to the beat of its own drum. So a lot of the money that was in Silicon Valley was some people would call almost like fantasy land type, you know, money. So it's still, you know, still left to be, you know, determined what happens with some of the other banks that maybe have better balance sheets. But um, it'll be interesting to see a lot of rumors just saying the Fed are just, they're not going to increase rates. They're going to hold them again. Some people think they might, you know, make a correction the other way. It it, it all just depends um, on, on what you believe. But nonetheless, you know, we saw a little bit of a reprieve on rates, but not as much as I think most people were hoping for. Correct. Yeah. The market's showing more than what's actually happened. Um, but yeah, we got to wait till that meeting turns out and see what the outcome is. They were supposed to raise rates another 50 basis points. But, you know, my guess is they're probably going to hold it. I mean, the CPI data came in not as good as they wanted. Mm-hmm. But I just looked at some of the other reports that came in the other day and you know, things are really starting to come down, which is a good sign. Yeah, and I think again, um, you know, one thing that I would tell people that are out there, um, you know, I, I'm obviously a, a heavy proponent for investing in real estate. You know, I'm not a proponent for leaving hundreds of thousands or millions millions of dollars in banking institutions that aren't making much money, and quite frankly, uh, your money can vanish. You know, and and that's just the downside of it. Now, fortunately, these bank collapses, I don't think any depositors are losing anything. But how many more of those can you know, if they happen, can if you've got, over. if you have money, man, invest in real estate. It ain't going anywhere. I mean, again. Uh, we could have a storm, but you got insurance for it, and you still have land if you buy houses. So, uh, again, you know, it, it's another reason why I think a lot of people, uh, you know, choose real estate as a wealth creation vehicle because you have the ability to improve it, to change it, you control it. When you're putting money with some of these large financial institutions and they're loaning out money to people they maybe shouldn't loan out money to, um, then then um, you know then that's unfortunately what happens sometimes. So uh, great rule of thumb though. Obviously, I think a lot of people, myself included, um, are going doing a nice little evaluation on their bank accounts and making sure they don't have more than the FDIC limit in any one entity or any one bank. Um, you know, so that's a word of caution. To protect yourself, should there be others, if you are someone of of wealth and and you have a lot of money with one particular bank, maybe you want to reevaluate that a little bit. Uh, and I think there's no question. Just talking to some of my friends, um, you know, some of our wealthy clients early in this week, that's exactly what they were doing. They're reallocating, and I was doing the same. They're reallocating money. They're putting money in this account. They're taking money out to their personal name, and then they're putting it in. I mean, they're they're move, You know, there's kind of a little chess game that goes on, and and certainly it's something that that you need to be a pay, need to pay attention to. But again. Real estate doesn't operate at that same risk level, fortunately, um, and and I, it's it's why a lot of people choose it as a wealth creation vehicle because, um, you know, again, it doesn't just disappear. Even if we have a storm, you're going to have insurance, um, but you still have land. Correct. You know, you don't get wiped out of all of your value like you could in some sort of situation where a bank is poorly run and makes some yep. some bad decisions. So they're they're worse. You know, I saw a an interview. Um, with um, you know, Mark or not Mark Cuban, Kevin O'Leary and Sean Hannity, in which you know Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank talks about having money. You know, he had money in SVB, and Hannity's kind of like, you know, what are you thinking? And 
Kevin O'Leary's very wealthy. He's like, oh, you can only have 250 grand. I can only, I, I got to put money everywhere, you yep. know? Like, at some point, it's kind of what you run into. But um, in that particular situation, they both kind of came to the conclusion, the people running the bank, um, you know, that, that this isn't like what happened before. At least that's the news coming out now. Because the people that were running the bank were making a lot of you know, overly aggressive, you know, moves in a volatile space. Well, which could have been fine, but with these rates increasing, Correct. It just, it, it got the him. spread yeah. got them. So hopefully we don't see a, a trend of other major bank fallout. Um, we may, we may not. It, it remains to be seen. But nonetheless, it does not have the automatic impact that you think it might have with mortgage rates and the real estate market. In fact, I think you'll see some people say it'll help it actually. I think I think you'll see some people say, wait a second, I need to stop I need to put my money in hard assets. Hard assets, real estate obviously is, is way up there on the list. You've got other people saying crypto, you've got people saying gold and silver. Whatever whatever you believe, there are certainly people that are going to take pause um and and take money out of bank. What I do want to say though is I think there was a little bit of a panic attack from some people that didn't have the FDIC limit in their account. You know, they got ten grand in the bank and they're going to go take it out in cash and put it in the mattress. The and bank runs, yeah, yeah. yeah, bank runs are not a good thing. Bank runs will cause way more problem than they're worth. And truthfully, um, you, you know, the FDIC has you covered up to two hundred fifty. And and here's the here's the key to it, like. Federal government isn't going out of business because all they're going to do is just tax us more. Right. I mean, that's just the reality. Yeah, they're they're not going out of they're not going out of business. So your money, you know, besides inflationary things causing it to lose some value, your money isn't just going to vanish if you're under that two fifty number per account. Right. So there's no reason to go, you know, remove it and and move it somewhere else or take it out. Now there are some people, however, and th- this there is some truth to this. There are some people that might use this opportunity to say, okay. I don't have as I've done some research and I don't have as much faith about the balance sheet mm-hmm. of my bank compared to a different bank. You know, you're going to do a transfer from one bank to another, okay? That that's understandable, but if but if you're someone who's taking the money out, leaving it in cash, putting it in your mattress and you have too many of those people, then it then it can cause major ramifications that that causes, you know, an economic downturn. Yeah. So. Well, a lot of those people actually couldn't get their money out because Correct. banks, they're fractionalized banking, you know, they don't hold that cash. Correct. Um yeah, it's like with me. Like I'll go to buy, you know, and and again, when I'm wiring money, that's easy. When I when I buy real estate, you know, when I, you know, I'm I'm closing on real estate, you know, all the time. When I buy real estate, a wire, you know, super easy. But when I want to take cash, like for example, if I go to buy a car and I want to negotiate, you got almost got to set an appointment, give them an advance because they only keep so much cash. And Correct. and so um so again. Um, you know, the idea of a, a bank run is is probably not a great thing. If you have less than two fifty, you're probably okay. And if you're really worried about the bank that you're at, then move it to another bank uh, versus just taking it out in cash. Because here's the thing, you, you're and, and I, I did some research on this. You're way more likely to have your cash robbed and stolen from you yeah. than you are from the bank going out. Okay, I just I, I have to tell you this. Like, yeah. there's no doubt. Like, if you take out, you're way more likely to get robbed of your cash in your house or in your car or as you're leaving the bank, then you are losing less than 250 grand in a bank account. So um, again, don't don't let that twist your mind into doing something irrational that then you know causes more uh, more chaos. So so again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. When we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials at the Duncan Duo. I'm Andrew Duncan, and I want to see you at our client appreciation party on March 29th. This is client and agent appreciation. So if we've done a transaction with you, if we've worked with you as an agent, 
Or if you bought or sold a home with us in the past, go to DuncanDuoAppreciation.Eventbrite.com, RSVP, bring out your whole family, uh, no limit, free tickets, uh, ice skating on the Emily Arena ice. Uh, we're going to have some lightning ticket giveaways. We're going to have uh, lightning signed items, free food, and so much more. Again, DuncanDuoAppreciation.Eventbrite.com. And we're going to be back, continuing our conversation after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market here on the Duncan Duo Show, like we are every Sunday at 10 when we aren't on air at the Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook. DuncanDuoAppreciation.Eventbrite.com. Come out to our appreciation event on March 29th. Again, you can register on that site or send us a message on one of our socials. So a lot of people don't understand you can still buy homes with no money down today. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a down payment assistance loan either. Correct. There are uh, loan products that will allow for no money down. We've talked a lot about the VA loan on the show. The VA loan is a program that allows veterans uh, or active duty service members to buy a home with no money down, reduce mortgage insurance, you know, so there's less uh, there's less in addition to no money down. The mortgage payment is typically less than what it would be in another loan because the the PMI uh, expense. So um, if you're not a veteran, though, and again, if you are a veteran, it's the best loan product. If you're a real estate agent out there, too, it's the best loan product. I hear agents all the time saying, oh, I don't want to take a VA loan. And they're generally uninformed because the VA loan allows you to challenge appraisals more than the other loan products. And again, this is like the patriotic thing to do, in my opinion. You've got someone who fought for a country, who risked their life, who, you know, separated from their family, mm-hmm. uh, like Z here, you know, that we have. Um, you know, and and again, uh, to me, if I have a VA loan and then other loan products, I'm going the VA loan every time. I've had a great a great track record. I think they also fail at a much lower rate than other than other loan products. But there's also a USDA loan, and this is a loan that uh, a lot of people are unaware about. And again. Not everybody can qualify for this. There, there, there's a lot of details and specifics that you know we can we can give you. Uh, you could do a whole show about all the criteria for underwriting, but we'll get we'll just touch on some of the basics. But a USDA loan um, is the Department of Agriculture's loan product for home buying for rural areas, and they they there is a website where you can track and determine where USDA approved areas are. And in Tampa Bay, for example, you're looking at, you know, kind of out in the suburbs. You're looking at East Hillsboro. There's some stuff in Pasco that's USDA eligible. You get down into, um, you know, southern uh, Hillsboro, like Manatee, out, out in that eastern part of the, you know, middle of the state, so to speak. So there are USDA loan um, opportunities available for people to buy a home with no money down. And again, the the qualifications for it. Uh, there's a lot of little details, but the most important thing is the location. You're not going to be able to do this in a city. There's a reason it's a USDA rural loan. Okay, You're not buying a house in downtown St. Pete with a USDA loan. You're not buying a house in Tampa proper or St. Pete or Clearwater. We're talking like our our you know our rural areas, you know, out uh, Polk city, County, right, Pasco yeah. County, a little bit of no, you know, maybe some parts of um, you know, East Hillsboro, but again, it's got to be defined as a rural area with USDA and that area, those areas change all the time. Yeah. So you've got to make sure you're working with a lender that knows to, to, to qualify. Um, but again, um, it is a, it is a product that is available for people. Um, you know, that 
the, the other thing is, is that it doesn't use the typical Fannie Freddie process. It uses a different process for underwriting the loan. The government's a little bit more integrated right. into it. Um, and, and so, again, uh, according to the article I'm reading right now, there are income limits. Um, the yeah, USDA stipulates size. that household income may not exceed 115% of the median income in the area. Correct. So, again, every area is going to be a little bit different with that. But the qualification is your income can't exceed 115% of the medium income in the area. In order to adjust for regional differences, the USD considers locations and household size when comparing your total qualifying income with the regional medium to determine eligibility. So one thing to think about, your median income, uh, if they take it per capita and you have six kids, you may have a better chance of qualifying than somebody who only has one child simply because your income is spread across so That's many people. That's exactly correct. So, so again, uh, USDA loan, rural area loan, um, if you're not – more 115 percent or higher of the median income of the area you may be able to qualify uh make sure you get with uh josh and his team goodwin mortgage group they can look up and determine if the property you're looking at or the area you're looking at qualifies um and again you could buy a home with with no money down just like uh you can with a va loan but again i want to reiterate it is a rural loan okay and you're not going to you know you're in any of our urban areas you're not going to be able to use the usda loan and those options, you know, no, no down payment is a VA loan, um, and then low down payment options for uh, FHA, for example, um, and and again, those are going to have loan limits as well. So there's still people though that think you have to have twenty percent down to buy a house. Surprisingly, yeah. And you don't, um, you know, you don't. You could buy with no money down. You could buy with those little three percent down. Yeah. Um, there's even what's the lowest conventional um, down payment percentage? Three percent. You can yeah. do a three percent conventional mortgage too. So um, that's one of the products that people like when uh, you know because sometimes FHA, for example, can be stringent with certain certain types of properties, condition, condo buildings. Last but not least, on the low down payment financing front. What we're talking about is single-family homes and most townhomes, as long as the HOA is in okay shape. Condos are a whole other animal. You're not getting a condo for a rural loan. You're not, you're not likely getting a condo with an FHA or a VA loan, but it is possible. But they have a small list, and the condo has to meet a lot of criteria that most uh, don't end up meeting. Correct. So. So I got a funny HOA story that I'm going to tell after our break. Um, you know, for those of you listening, you've probably heard me rail on HOAs before because I'm I'm not a huge fan of most of them. There's some well-run ones, but I've got a really funny HOA story that I'm going to tell after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. I teased this before the break. Uh, I want to talk about homeowners associations. And look, there's a lot of people moving here that um, – came from homeowners associations up north. And um, homeowners associations in the south in Florida for me, I think are a different animal because you have a lot of retirees that sit at home and they really don't have anything else to do but to file complaints with the HOA and complain about I know where your, this is going. Your shrubs doing uh, this or that. And and you know, look, I have my own experiences in a homeowners association that I lived in prior to the house I live in now. And my conclusion was that I am not meant to live in a homeowner association. Because I like to do stuff that might annoy my neighbors, you know, or I like to not follow rules because it's re like I worked really hard to be able to buy a house and I kind of want to do with it what I want to do with it. I don't want people to tell me what I want to do with it. So a buddy of mine 
uh, a buddy of mine posted this story about his homeowners association in Georgia. And I really didn't believe it. And I had to text him because I didn't believe that this was actually happening. So I'm going to read you the um, the email from his homeowners association. And then I want everyone listening. If you are thinking about buying in a homeowners association, look, I'm all we'll support you. We're going to help you. But I really want to make sure that you do your due diligence on the homeowners association because the people running the homeowners association in essence are kind of like your local local little government. Mm-hmm. They're going to make choices and decisions with your money. They're going to make choices and decisions about what you can or can't do with your house. Um, and sometimes in condos or townhomes, they're even making decisions that could affect your equity. They may decide you can only have so many rentals, which hurts the value in the community, or they may decide you can't do Airbnbs, or they may decide that you can only paint certain colors, okay? So may again, homeowners associations can be great because they do police and keep people up, up to date maintaining their property, but sometimes, sometimes they go a little too far. Henceforth, violations that are reported will be followed up by warnings and then fines. If we continue to have issues with dog waste being left, we may be forced to institute a dog DNA verification system. This would require all dog owners to submit a DNA sample, mouth swab, and then when uncollected dog waste is observed, it can be tested and the dog identified. There is a cost to do this, so violations would incur fines. Dogs are part of what makes blank a social neighborhood, and most dog owners follow the rules. A few that don't are creating problems. We ask that all dog owners be responsible and considerate of their neighbors by respecting the rules and regulations of both the blank and blank. Sincerely, blank HOA. I left the names out of it. Okay, this is not local. This is in Atlanta. And I it blew my mind. Like literally people are they're going to start testing dog DNA because somebody's dog somebody's complaining that somebody's dog pooped in their yard. Look, I live on Bayshore. I got people pooping in my yard all the time. I got do- I don't have people. I have dogs. <laughs> Sometimes I have people, you know, you've seen Gasparilla, okay? Like yeah, there are people that poop in my yard. All right? That was we, we went down a dark path there. But seriously, like, if people have that much time, like, not just the not just the di- inconsiderate people doing it, but it's the owners, too. It's mm-hmm. like, you really have that. But, like, within a day, you're not even going to notice it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to decompose. The smell's going to go away. I, I'm not saying that it should be okay, you know, for people to have their dogs go in the bathroom in your yard. I get frustrated about it, too. But really, an HOA is going to start <laughs> swabbing dogs and testing dna i think that absolutely blows my mind i I literally can't even like i can't even imagine that people that people think that that's logical so john if you live in an hoa i mean what you're gonna cart your dog in (laughs) what would you say if your hoa sent this out josh and they said hey josh uh tuesday at two from two to four we need to bring butch in and we need to have we need to swab butch's mouth you know so we can test butch's dna to see if he's taking a dookie in the neighbor's <laughs> yard <laughs> i mean really uh to me that is like this is like the truest definition of how some hoas go too far some some of the owners in hoas that have things they don't like happening kind of try and you know, big dog the HOA, you know, no pun intended, yep. into doing something. To me, it's just, the, and and this is the kind of illogical things people are spending their time doing this. I Correct. mean, and not just that, but you're paying, 
you're paying for that structure. A, a lady named Karen put that together. Yeah, Karen. <laughs> Karen put this one together. Karen is complaining. And look, I, look, I'm not gonna lie. It, it, I understand the plight of a dog. Like, yeah, going, it's frustrating. I get that. It, but the, it, but the come swamps. on, man. but but really, like, we're gonna go, we're gonna swap dogs' mouths in the HOA henceforth. But I mean, who typed this up? Like, I just I laugh. But but you know, so I'll give you. A, and again. There are a lot of great HOAs, okay? There are. There's some really bad ones. There are some great ones. There's some ones in Tampa that, that I highly support that are run by professionals that make smart decisions. But sometimes you get some yahoos on an HOA board that are just – they want a popularity contest, and then they get a power trip, and right. then they make decisions. And I remember one time, you know, I had a branded vehicle in my last community, and um, we, we didn't – the branded vehicles never came home with us. They stayed at our office, Right. Um, but one day I happened to be driving the branded vehicle to pick up to pick up something and I stopped at home for lunch. I was there for 37 minutes. No commercial vehicles. And I literally got an, an HOA vi- who literally has their time. Like I, I was there for but the, the rule was no commercial vehicles overnight. I was only there for 37 minutes. I remember sending a message back to the HOA with like a. Uh, a, a Dropbox screen grab of the 37 minutes that the car is parked on drive because it was overnight. Yeah, you weren't allowed to park them overnight. Right. It's like I wasn't there overnight. It's, you know, I'm gonna wipe my you know what with this violation. Yeah. That's what I think about it. And so, the reality is, is that some people get it all. Some people get all riled up. They just they have way too much time, and that's the downside of of living in an HOA. You have people with way too much time on their hands, and so there's rules like that. You know, and again. There are plenty of them that are great, but imagine the torment on your life when you get into one that is wanting to swab your dog's DNA or is telling you that you can only paint your door certain colors because – and and again, like it's it's just – it's a nuisance for a lot of people, you know, and, and I get maybe preventing, you know, hey, we're going to prevent these colors or super bright colors, but then like – we only allow these four colors and we only do this and we only do that. It's like at some point people become homeowners for like the freedom of being a homeowner. It's their home. And some of the HOAs just go way too far. So again, there's some great ones, but just like there's great realtors, there's bad realtors, there's bad OHAs, there's bad mortgage lenders, there's great mortgage lenders. And this is an example of a really, really funny one. The other thing that I think people have to understand about uh, HOAs and specifically probably more condos um, they have to qualify for the fees yeah. that the HOA charges. Correct. And if those fees go up dramatically, you know, we've had it happen where somebody's been under contract to buy a house, they're qualified, and then they get an assessment. Or the HOA fees go up 100 bucks a month, and now they can't qualify anymore. Yeah. So you have to factor that in. You're, you know, I, I had somebody once tell me, oh, well, I qualified for the mortgage payment. Well, yeah, you did, but it's a $388 a month homeowners association fee. Did you qualify for that? Did, did your lender know that that's there? Did you tell them when you qualified that you're buying in an HOA? Oh, no. So you do. You have to qualify for all of your outstanding debt, ob- debt obligations. And even though that isn't part of your mortgage payment, it's part of your monthly housing payment that you have to be able to qualify for. And increases or decreases in that can cause you to, you know, lose the ability to, um, you know, to buy. So I'm sure you guys have had that. A special assessment pops and the deal goes south. Yeah, or find out the last HOA, minute. Yeah. Yep, HOA fees go up and then, you know, somebody can't qualify anymore. So you do have to qualify for that. And, and again, I think there's a give and take. There's sometimes where I look at what an HOA charges and I think, man, that's a good value. They've got a gym. They've got a pool. They've got a gate. They've got security. That's rare. 
most of the time that I look at it, I'm like, that's all you get for right. seven, eight hundred dollars a month. Correct. Yeah. You're right. Sometimes they're a good value. Yeah. Oftentimes you look at it and you're like, wow, that's a lot for what this is. I can get a gym membership. I can do this. I can get that. I can get this. Um, and homeowners insurance. And, you know, what I will say is insurance has risen pretty dramatically in Florida on both auto and home. So sometimes that that increase is insurance related um, and, and not necessarily a bad decision from the HOA, but just a, you know, kind of market at the moment, something they have to deal with because, you know, that's the insurance market that we're in uh, right now. So, again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. When you want to buy a house that isn't going to dog DNA verify you, please call <laughs> us. We would love to help. Uh, DuncanDuoAppreciation.eventbrite.com for our client appreciation event coming up on March 29th. Client and agent appreciation event. So, um, we are super excited to share a cool evening with you. Um, we want to make sure that you are uh, having a great time, and we're going to give away tickets. We're going to give away lightning-signed items. We've got so much more at our event, DuncanDuoAppreciation.eventbrite.com. We're going to wrap up the last segment. What I want to talk about next, there are a lot of people that um, whose homes failed to sell in the second half of the year and, and the first part of this year. Uh, more homes, home listings that failed to sell um, than we've seen in a long time. Inexperienced agents, bad marketing, a shift in the market, all those things. So I want to give you some home seller tips. I, I actually gave these tips uh, to the Identity Tampa Bay this week. I did an interview with them at Emily Arena. It'll be coming out any day. But I'm going to talk about those tips uh, you know, that I gave to the Identity and uh, so much more. When we aren't on air again, follow us on all of our shows, socials. We are at The Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook. Uh, and we'll be back continuing this conversation after a quick break here on The Duncan Duo Show. So back here talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market on The Duncan Duo Show. I'm Andrew Duncan, joined by Josh Goodwin with Goodwin Mortgage Group, our preferred mortgage lender. And um want to talk next about selling your house. There are a lot of real estate agents that have got into the business the last few years that probably wouldn't have gotten in if it wasn't crazy hot and that don't have the experience or knowledge to adapt and pivot for a shifting real estate market, for a challenging real estate market. So there were a lot of home sellers in the second half of the year and the first part of this year whose homes didn't sell. Um, you know, maybe they took them off the market. Maybe, um, you know, that deals fall apart, whatever it is. I'm going to talk next about to that audience of people. So if your home failed to sell, I've got some tips for you. Um, and and I want to help you, you know, we my company has sold hundreds, probably more than a thousand at this point of homes that were on the market with people that uh, didn't get it sold with the prior agent. We ended up coming in and selling it. Um, but I want to give you some tips and some things that we do uh, that can help provide value for you if you're in that situation. So first and foremost, sometimes you need a new agent. Um, sometimes it's a different marketing strategy. Sometimes you and the agent aren't on, aren't on the same page. Sometimes the agent doesn't have the experience level or the negotiation skill because they got in when the market was hot. They don't have those foundational skills that agents that were, you know, around during the post Great Recession have. Um, and and so sometimes it's, it's an agent change. Another uh, thing that you got to pay attention to is you want your home to come back on as a as a new listing. You want it to look fresh, and and you don't want it to look stale. Um, you need to let it sit on the mar off the market for 60 days, typically. If you put it back on before 60 days, many of the d days on market trackers on some of the most common real estate websites in the world don't reset 
they pull in the prior listing history into the days on market and it looks like it's been on the market forever. If you let it go off the market for 60 days and you put it back on, then you reset that and you're back on again as a new listing. Similarly, when you are um, putting it back on the market, you, you don't want to use the same photos or the same description. You you want it to look completely fresh and new. You don't want anyone to remember it. So you've got to use different photo angles, different photographer, uh, and have a whole new copy written for the property. And so um, the photos really do matter. A lot of times homes don't sell because the photos are bad. So you want to make sure that you've got someone that isn't taking photos with their phone. Okay, You want somebody with professional lighting, professional equipment, drone photography, 3D tours. All of those things can help wake up uh, a new listing. Sometimes it's your price. Sometimes the market shifted. Uh, the agent wasn't strong enough to tell you that your price was too high, that the price you wanted when you listed it might have been right, but it's not anymore because the market has changed and prices have softened. So sometimes you need to, um, you know, need to address address your uh, price. Uh, home condition. A lot of a lot of homes a year ago would sell, even with issues. You'd see homes selling that that you know weren't decluttered or that had cosmetic problems um, that that won't sell in a in a softer real estate market. So sometimes you need to declutter, sometimes you need to stage, and sometimes you need to get that inspection report done and go through that list, treat it like a punch list and check off those items because that will prevent your home uh, sale from from falling apart. Another big one that I've seen um, that's caused uh, you know real estate and, and homes uh, not to sell is access. okay? When the market was super hot, you could say, I'm only going to show my home Thursdays from 12 to four, Fridays from 12 to four and Saturdays, you know from two to six. When the market was hot, you could drive the traffic. When the market isn't as hot, you have to provide almost like 365, 24-7 access. You've got to be willing to get up out of your house with a five or 10-minute notice because you never know when that impulse buyer finds your house, loves it, wants to see it, they're caught up in the moment. And if you say no to that because it's inconvenient, you're missing out on a sale. That could have been the one. Yeah, it could have been the one. Yeah. I mean, Josh, you and I, we're both car guys, right? Yep. Um, car dealerships are typically closed Sundays. But most of them are open until 8 or 9 at night, yeah. okay? Like, you can show up and buy a car anytime. People have that expectation of service with real estate. They want to be able to show up and see your house. Correct. And if you provide, um, you know, if, if you provide, you know, uh, access during that same kind of window, you're going to get more people looking at it. New construction builders, they're open all the time. They get it. They know. They're a model home. you got to think like your house is a model home. Um, if you're closing the doors and only saying people can see it during certain windows, you are missing traffic. You're missing that potential impulse buyer. And you, you, selling a home to get the most amount of money is a little inconvenient. Okay, it, it it really is. If you don't want, you know, if you want convenience, then take a cash offer. We'll give you a cash offer for your house, but we're gonna have to buy it so that we can, you know, get our money out of it and maybe make a small profit. So. The reality is if you want to maximize your home sale and you want to ensure and give your chance the best shot at success, you've got to provide almost unfettered access. You've got to be willing to jump up and get out and show that home and let that impulse buyer take a look at it at a, at a moment's notice. Um, last but not least, um, you know, we talked about price. We talked about condition. We talked about access. It, it's marketing. Uh, the exposure that the home's getting on all the major syndicates, whether the agent's paying to get it exposed on Zillow and Realtor and all the other major websites, how it's being displayed online. I hear people say all the time, well, it was on the MLS. 
Okay. Well, the car was on the lot for sale, but that doesn't mean they cleaned it up and made it look right to you know gave the best chance at getting it sold. Just because it's on the MLS doesn't mean that it was on the market the right way. A lot of homes fail to sell not because they weren't on the market, it's because they were on the market a horrible way. You've got to make sure to you know have the right photos, have the right syndication, do all those things. So hopefully those tips are helpful. We would love to help you. We've sold thousands of homes um, that, that weren't sold by agents prior to us. Go to DuncanDuo.com, get your free home evaluation, get your home estimate. We'd love the opportunity to help you again at DuncanDuo.com. We appreciate you tuning in and have an awesome rest of your Sunday, Tampa Bay.